You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, so today, the theme of confidence. There was an advertisement on television a couple of years ago. I love the advertisements. I can't help it. You know, it's my marketing background. And it is an ad that's really good. I remember it for a long, long time. I tried to find this one on YouTube. Couldn't find it. It, it was, I think it was from an insurance company. And the scene was a girl introducing her boyfriend to her parents for the first time. Now, now guys, are you with me? You, you know, that's a very daunting thing at the best of times. And so here's the scene. And they both walk in and... Uh, she says to her boyfriend, uh, this is my father, Robert. And there appears a very conservative gentleman who has that look of suspicion which all fathers have a right to have when any young man is taking out their daughter. And, and she said, this is my father, Robert. And the guy's got a kind of a, a bit of a Fonzarella kind of swagger about him. You know, he's a very confident young guy. And he, his first utterance to the father is, Rob! Robbo, mate! And he starts the, the whole jibe in the ribs thing, you know? And like there's a sense of shock and bewilderment on the part of everybody. And then the daughter, very, or the, this girl, very reluctantly, slowly turns her attention to her mother and says, and this is my mother, Alice. And the guy goes, Alice, Ali, come here, you. And he gives her this massive big hug. And the tagline is, that's confidence. Well, actually, it was probably stupidity if he had any sort of long-term aspirations with that young lady. But, you know, it highlights the, the different ways of interpreting this word confidence. Anybody who's done even basic psychology would know that the actions of this young man in the advertisement, far from showing confidence may well have been masking a huge level of insecurity and a lack of confidence. But he's turning up the volume to sort of compensate for that problem. So what is confidence? Is it bravery? I know people have done some brave things, but they would say that in the general run of life, they are quite lacking in confidence. Is it being fearless? Is that confidence? I would regard myself as a reasonably confident person, but I have lots of fears. Fear of heights, fear of confined spaces, fear of snakes. Need I go on? Lots of fears, right? Is, uh, does confidence involve putting on a certain persona in which we come across as cool and collected? But uh, whereas deep down we're very nervous and very apprehensive. Now, friends, these are some of the popular misconceptions about the nature of, of confidence, but we need to dig a little deeper. We need to dig a little deeper to fully understand its meaning and its value. You see, confidence is linked to self-image, of course. Uh, years ago, it was Robert Schuller who said, the me I see is the me I'll be. You know, how we see ourselves has a huge impact on the extent to which we are successful and effective in life. So here's the thing, confident people with a positive self-image exhibit a number of characteristics and you can check yourself on this list. Firstly, they believe strongly in certain values and principles and they'll defend them even in the face of strong group opinion. But they're not arrogant, they're not pig-headed. They will modify their position 
in the face of, com- of compelling evidence or in the face of greater enlightenment. Secondly, they're capable of acting on their own best judgments without being phased if others disapprove. That's why confidence is a very important part of, of leadership. Because sometimes the right decisions aren't the most popular decisions. But you've still got to be prepared to take them as a confident leader. Here's the third thing. Confident people feel equal to others. Not superior or inferior. Irrespective of the differences they perceive. There's a wonderful story from the life of Bob Hope. The great comedian who died some years ago. And I've always been led to believe this is a true story. Bob Hope loved golfing. He was a social golfer. And at one time he was asked to present a special award to a guy called Charlie Boswell who was a visually impaired man who had made a remarkable contribution in the world of golfing, helping other visually impaired people to master the game of golf. They do it with, you know, uh, ring kind of bells on the greens with the pins and other means down the, free, down the fairways and, and, and visually impaired people can put in a pretty fair round of golf. Well, Bob Hope, being the comedian that he was, of course, couldn't resist the opportunity for a bit of humour. And he said, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> blind golfer, huh? I think I'd enjoy playing you. And the inference was obvious, you know, I can see you can't probably beat the pants off you. He wasn't ready for the response from this very self-confident guy, Charlie Boswell. He said, I'd love to play you, Bob, anytime, anytime, anywhere. And of course, the crowd's getting involved and all of a sudden, Bob Hope finds himself in a corner and uh, he's really trapped. So he says, okay, all right, okay, I'll, I'll play you. I'll give you an advantage. You can name the time and the place. And uh, Charlie Boswell said, well, how about tonight at my home course at midnight? Like, uh, it wasn't going to make any difference to Charlie Boswell, but it was going to make a heck of a difference to Bob Hope. Can you imagine? Whoa, hey. Well, friends, I happen to have made a, well, firstly, oh, the next, fourthly, fourthly, confident people with a positive self-image can accept praise without the pretense of false modesty and compliments without feeling guilty. You know, the person who, when you say, you know, hey, that was really great. Oh, no, you're just saying that. You don't really mean that. Uh, and it can mark, you know, it's, it's a fun thing, but it can, if, it's, if it's persistent, number one, it stops a person from ever giving compliments. Number two, it can be a, a form of insecurity and, and lacking of confidence that you don't feel worthy to receive those compliments. Uh, people like Leighton Hewitt don't seem to have a problem with that sort of thing. Do they? You know, somebody will say, hey, Leighton, that was pretty good tennis set the other day. Oh, yeah, that was some of the best tennis I've ever played. I'm heading for the Australian Open. I'm gonna, I've got every reason to really be confident that I'm going to win that. You know, he, he's full of confidence and... You've got to admire that sort of thing in a young man. <laughs> Friends, I've happened, to make, I've happened to have made a study over most of my life in this area of human development, this area of self-confidence. I've had people say to me, look, Graham, does it really matter? You know, whether people have got self-confidence or not, does, does it really matter? Can't we just accept the fact that some people have and some people haven't? Does it, does it really matter? Well, that may sound okay. It may sound quite Okay. Until you start to identify and analyse the characteristics people lacking in self-confidence sometimes exhibit. Things like a negative attitude, critical spirit, cynicism, suboptimal performance in most areas of their lives, jealousy, just to name a few. You have to ask yourself the question, is that how God intends us to live? Are these the character traits and are these the, the, uh, the attitudes that, that build up relationships and build community? And of course the answer is no. 
So how we see ourselves and the level of our self-esteem can affect virtually every area of our lives. That's why I believe it's so important. Every area of our lives, our attitude to people, to work, to challenges, to crises of various kinds, to home and family life, to parenting, can affect our action, our actions, our tone of conversation, our thoughts, our spirituality, our relationship with God, everything. So important, so crucial. I don't know about you, but one part of the Bible, one part of the Bible that was a little understated when I was growing up in churches were the words of Jesus in Mark 12, love your neighbour as you love yourself. I got a lot of love your neighbour. Didn't get very much of as you love yourself. Many churches, including some of the ones I was involved in, seemed to swing the other way with a tendency to overemphasize the degenerative nature of man whilst underemphasizing the emotional as well as the spiritual benefits of a positive, healthy self-image. I was well into my adult years before I tapped into any of this. Maybe I missed something. I don't know, but I was listening pretty carefully. Sometimes it was reflected in the songs we sang. Do you know, in 1885, 1885, a guy called Isaac Watts wrote a hymn. And this was the opening stanza. Alas, and did my saviour bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Now, you know, I, I, we know what he's getting at, but like you get enough sort of songs with that kind of imagery in it. Uh, by the way, I might add, I was singing this quite a while after 1885. Um, I, I wasn't there for the uh, live recording or anything like that, um, the album. Uh, but you know, some of you, who remembers that song? Come on, who remembers that? Oh yeah, all the over 40s. Yeah, 50s. Uh, friends, one of the central issues has always been a theological dilemma. This is the thing, see? Uh, a theological dilemma, and it revolves around a question. And here's the question. How do we reconcile the Bible's teaching about humility and submission to God with the clear reality that self-confidence is a significant factor in one's mental and emotional health? How do you reconcile those two things? That's been the dilemma. And you know how you begin to solve a theological or a spiritual dilemma. What you do is you go back to the source book. You go back to the reference book for the Christian faith. You go back to the Holy Scriptures. And you revisit the passages that relate, in this case, to this vitally important topic. Now, you can imagine how involved an exercise like that could be. Yeah. So I've chosen, in the interest of time this morning, I've chosen just to take a couple of points with the view to you doing your own exploration in this area. Get on the internet and start looking at self-confidence, uh, submission to God. Just You find out some very interesting things in that way and check your, your resources, your textbooks and so on, your concordances. So I want to highlight just a couple of points. One thing is clear. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the confident. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, traditionally, it's been verses like this one that has led to the image of Christians being weak, spineless, mousy, unable to stand up for themselves, with people wanting to see them as a doormat, taking advantage of their good nature. Isn't that how we're portrayed in the movies and the media and the sitcoms? You know, always a good little Christian, you know. 
And uh, it's verses like that that have led to that sort of image. But friends, that image fails to understand the true meaning of the word meek. In the ancient world, the word meekness was used to describe someone who had considerable power and influence, but who chose not to use it for selfish or destructive purposes. Maybe like a a king that had a lot of power, but who was prepared to forgive and prepared to be conciliatory with surrounding surrounding nations and, and so on. Uh, so that was the original meaning. I mean, Moses, in Numbers 12.3, listen to what it says. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who are on the face of the earth. This is Moses. He was very meek. Now sure, he was a reluctant hero. Yes, he did show signs of apprehension and fear when he was called by God. But once he'd responded to the call of God, once he'd put on the mantle of leadership, He discovered his full potential and his full capacity as a leader. And you'd hardly describe this man as being meek by any assessment. Moses was a man of great strength, resilience and resolve. His leadership of the children of Israel, although fraught with problems and setbacks, it was a triumph of his commitment to God in response to a vision to set the people free. And yet he's described as a meek man meek man I could go on with other examples from the Old Testament and other places but let's go straight to Jesus let's go straight to Jesus who said of himself in Matthew 11 29 I am meek and lowly of heart this is in the context of you know come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart now we can hardly regard Jesus as a pushover no, I mean, he was no, as somebody said at the Connect Group this week, uh, he was no wuss, you know, like he was no weakling. I mean, he was a person of immense inner strength and resolve who entered every situation, every situation with supreme confidence and, and a strong sense of control. You read the Gospels, you can't help but get that, that, that impression. Even in one of his darkest hours, when he stood before Pilate, defenceless, Vulnerable, seemingly helpless, alone. Even there, he's responding to the questions with poise and with dignity. You really get the sense of who's in control of that little encounter. And this, of course, after he declared his resolve some hours earlier in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he submitted to the will of God, not my will, God, but yours, be done. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of someone who found the perfect balance between self-denial and self-confidence. He's the perfect example of a person who found the balance between self-denial and self-confidence. Now, whenever we put Jesus up as the perfect example, of course, we all feel terribly inadequate. Of course, because he was the sinless one. He was the son of God. How can we possibly hope to emulate that sort of standard? We all feel decidedly inadequate. So let's go to Paul. And he sets a very high standard as well. But, but at least he's fragile enough for us to be able to identify with him a little more readily. And friends, I believe his testimony, and it's here in Philippians, not the passage read to us by, by Nick, but over in, in, number, in, in chapter 4. I believe his testimony holds the secret in our quest to reconcile submission to God with the development and the nurture of a positive self.
self-confidence and self-image. And it's in Philippians 4, 13. You know it well. Look at this. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. I have come back in my quest in this area. I have come back to this verse time and time again. It is a beautiful expression of confidence and self-assurance which is careful to attribute the source of that confidence to, to his faith in and his allegiance to God, his heavenly father through Jesus Christ. It's, it's so carefully worded. There's no hint of self-sufficient arrogance here. It's just an unshakable confidence in, the, in his reliance, or an unshakable confidence rather, and reliance on Jesus Christ, his Lord and Saviour. Wow, it's a brand new year. But is it the same old you? Would you like to approach challenges and opportunities and relationships, every part of your life in 2011 with greater confidence, with greater assurance? Would you like that this year? You can have that. We all can. We all can. You see, friends, the secret lies in being honest and open and vulnerable and totally yielded to God our Father through Jesus Christ, his son. That's, that's the thing all these men and women who found confidence in God, that's, that's the common denominator. It was born out of their commitment to God. James is another great, great leader of confidence in the New Testament. Look at what he says. Here's his testimony in a, in a encapsulated in a, a nutshell in chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. And I'm reading extracts from the message to, to bring it alive with some freshness. This may be a, a, a version you've not heard these verses in. James chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Listen to what James says. Let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. He says, purify your inner life. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. Repentance. Get serious. Really serious. And then look at this image. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Friends, what is confidence in the ultimate sense? It's not the froth and bubble of, hey, woo. It's like that's all just external. It's not personality. They're just external things, often masking a deep underlying insecurity. What is real confidence? Real confidence is standing in the midst of circumstances that might otherwise knock you off your feet. And that's why James says, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. So here's the message in one little cryptic saying. If you've missed everything else, here it is on the screen. Reliance on God's guidance, power and strength is not the suppression of self-confidence. It's the discovery of that vital human character trait we all need. That's it. Self-confidence in a spiritual sense is the knowledge that in his strength... We are able to handle anything. 
None of us knows what 2011 is going to bring. Some of you, some of us think we know, but none of us really know what 2011 is going to bring. But here's the point. We can step into this new year with the absolute knowledge and assurance that whatever it is, there is nothing that will happen to us that we and him can't handle together. There is nothing that can happen to us that us and God can't handle together. Now, that is confidence. Let's bow in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for the fact that you are so desirous of moving into our lives and giving us the confidence we need to handle any situation. Some in this congregation know already of some particular challenges they're going to have to face in these coming days. May they have the sure knowledge and certainty that nothing will happen that you and they together can't handle. And so, Lord, please reassure us of the fact that you never cease to give us the power and the strength to rise above any situation. All you ask is that we yield to you, that we be willing to let you come into the hidden recesses of our lives and build us up. Only as we kneel before you are we able to be lifted up and walk tall in all of the circumstances of life. That's where we want to be. Give us that level of confidence, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.